poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, it is Tuesday, so I'm joined by Mr. John Chai for Tactical Tuesday. How are you doing, sir? Doing okay. Got a little COVID, just like you. Yay! <laughs> COVID twins. Exciting. Um, it's a good thing that we took out the bit that we recorded like a week and a half ago about the meetup game and how great everything was because... Uh, it, it did not. <laughs> it did not go down. There was no not meetup happened. game. Uh, Las Vegas was pretty much a bust for me. Um, flew in, felt jet lagged and tired. We went to Jonas Brothers concert, which is always the nail in the coffin. Jonas Brothers. That's that's when you know things are about to go poorly. Um, nah, not not really. The concert was really good, except I was very tired and you know, quite, uh, uh, had some, had some nice edibles uh, as well. So I was, it was a bit much. We, you know, we had great seats. We were very close. Um, and it was really hard for my brain to keep up with all of the shiny lights blinking and the loud music. Uh, I was pretty awestruck the whole concert. Old man now. Pretty much, pretty much. I think my days of following the boy bands around the world are <laughs> officially at a close. Um, but yes, Las Vegas, I've had better experiences in my life. Um, day two through the rest, we're just spent in a hotel room with COVID. So, and then subsequently, everybody who was in my contact list and my phone also got COVID at the same time. And uh, yeah, was, I think the WSOP this year is um, struggling. With their yeah, sounds their like COVID. a lot of people. At least just scrolling through Twitter, it looks like a lot of people at the WSOP have gotten COVID. So, yeah, yeah. Who, uh, who would have thought a bunch of people all touching the same chips and then touching their mouths and stuff that would be a, a yeah. breeding ground? Um, but there's always next year, as they say. Um, so another way you could think about it is it's good to get it out of the way early in the series, you know, and then not have to sweat it and just be for who <laughs> for I mean, me i'm not going back to vegas so it i'm saying the people who are grinding are a real a real wsop schedule oh oh you mean the those those people most people <laughs> they're not me john this doesn't affect uh, my life it's great for them but means nothing for me um so maybe next year we'll we'll do the first <laughs> meetup game if if I can fade uh, fade COVID. So, with all of that said, your two infected hosts for the week going to be breaking down some hands. What is the theme for Pocket Kings? Boom! Just something that two COVID-addled minds could cobble together for Tactical Tuesday. Pocket Kings. Um, what's so special about these two? Not much. I mean, the first hand I think is more of a, um, 
I don't have too many questions about. I think it's just a good example of um, how to play kings when you flop top set. And then the second hand is the usual. I need help on the river. Somehow with kings. Yeah, yeah. So you need help um, with kings on the river. Let's break down this first hand. So you can... 500 zoom. Yeah. You have two kings in the big blind. Middle position opens to two and a half big blinds. Seems pretty standard. He starts the hand with 675-ish dollars. So uh, if anything, uh, just label him as a reg for now. I threw that to $55 and middle position calls. I think everything looks pretty normal for pre-flop. You've got around 100 big blinds. Yeah, yeah. I started the hand with about 100 big blinds. Dream flop, king, nine, seven, rainbow. Um, Generally, when I flop top set, especially on these really, really dry boards, I'm going to be going for a really, really small C-bet. Just want in-position player to be able to continue with a very, very wide range. Um, Hopefully, lots of stuff that's just drawing dead or close to dead. So I C-bet really small, uh, middle position calls, and then we get the five of hearts turn. Yeah, so... The the flop, by the way, for the podcast listener, the flop was King Nine Seven Rainbow, so Jack Ten possible op- uh, double gut shot, um, Eight Ten, and I don't think Six Eight is really in range. Um, sevens and Nines would also be sets, but I would say in general, most of the hands are going to be like Jack Ten, Queen Jack, uh, those category of hands, Queen Ten suited, um, and then some like backdoor type hands that that call the flop i mean i think for a quarter pot there can be like tons of backdoor type hands that call the flop like i think most 8x is going to be feel compelled to call i think like a hand like ace 10 of hearts or ace 10 of diamonds or you know ace 10 of spades any of those with like the backdoors and uh you know potentially an overcard are are all going to call a quarter pot and and that's really like what i want to happen when i have a hand that's as um kind of like as invulnerable as, as top set is yeah and there's 184 in the pot, by the way. What do all those hands have in common, right? They have in common that they're not very strong. <laughs> like that's that's the reality when you flop top set on king nine seven. Your opponents just tend to not have super strong hands. And like if they do have a strong hand, it doesn't really matter what you do, right? If they flop a set of nines, you know, you could just it doesn't matter what you do because all the money is gonna go in the pot in some way. Um, so really you're doing a good job of targeting um, the lower equity hands in villains range here that makes sense to peel with. Um, so turns a five of hearts, which does put up backdoor hearts. Uh, there's 184 in the pot. You've got 447 remaining. So SPR, uh, like two and a half ish. And, uh, so let's talk about your turn decision here. Um, you kept villains range wide on the flop, they've got a bunch of lower equity type hands. So now tell me about your thought process on the turn. So yeah, we're just following kind of that plan of like trying to keep their lower equity hands in and get value from their really, really low equity hands. Like you said, we're not worried about stacking a set or two pair or honestly, even like King X is gonna probably put money in on the turn or the river themselves. Um, So just going back to how can we get money from lots of hands that are drawing dead or drawing near dead. Um, I think when I have top set 
and I'm just like blocking what I would hope to be like the majority of their calling range, top pair or top pair weak kicker type hands, top pair weak kicker, top pair second kicker, top pair, top kicker type hands. Um, I'm just going to be checking turn. And yeah, that's what I go ahead and do. I check top set on the turn, just give as much rope, as much room um, as I possibly can for their jack tens or even hands that don't have as much equity as jack ten to just start bluffing here. Yeah, and they do have like a decent amount of hands that have very little equity. Right. Um, and so they bet two thirds here on the turn. And obviously, you know, there's the decision here as to whether you should check raise, whether you should call. I think this will probably be um, for the listener, the, uh, you know, an important spot to analyze and think about and maybe a, a critical decision point where um, the audience may do something quite different than what you're going to do. And to recap, the board is king nine, seven, five with two hearts. We hero has top set of Kings. Uh, there's 184 in the pot villain bets 135 on the turn. Um, so if you did jam, there's like 300 left. Yeah. And yeah, if you call, there's going to be like 400 something with 300 remaining. So decent size bet left. Yeah. I think this spot is really similar to the spot that we had on uh, two tactile Tuesdays ago, where I flopped top set with a set of nines on a monotone board. And we were just deciding like, is it better to like deny equity or, you know, just value check raise and get called by worse value hands. Um, yeah. I think this spot is sort of similar. There definitely is equity that we can deny by jamming here. I think like, you know, and Jack 10 might just fold facing check jam here. Maybe even some of their flush draws, especially just like their weaker non-combo draw flush draws might just check fold um, getting jammed on in this spot. So I do think that there is like an argument to jam um, in order to deny equity, but I still think that just, you know, I'm happy to take the risk of them hitting you know, one of their double gutters or rivering a flush or something like that when I have a hand like top set. I mean, there's going to be times where they river a flush and the board pairs and, you know, we just get to stack a flush anyways, despite them getting there. Um, and then the flip side of that is that like, there's still lots of lots and lots of just absolute zero equity hands that we want. Um, we want them to put all the money in themselves. Yeah. Um, and I think that outweighs equity denial. Um, and then, like you said, we don't have to worry about stacking like sevens and nines because that money is just, it's just getting in unless, yeah, okay, there are like a couple disaster rivers, like maybe like the six of hearts or the eight of hearts where like we don't stack nines and sevens, but that's... <laughs> Bro, pretty... if it's a six of hearts, I assume nines and sevens are just going to jam for value anyway. Yeah, yeah, that, that could still happen. So e Even on the worst rivers, I think nines and sevens still go broke because like right. we can have ace king, we can have two pair, we can have aces, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think... What's important for the listener is really with equity denial, when you prioritize equity denial, what you're saying is that villain's likely not going to be putting money in the pot on the river unless they improve. So like that's where the value of equity denial really is. And in this situation, I think that villain has lots of incentive to bet the turn and follow up with a river jam on most runouts with most range. So Denying equity um, is a lower priority priority to me in this spot than stacking and getting value from all the like zero or very low equity type hands in villains range, um, which yeah makes this turn decision just really good 
in my opinion, of choosing to just check call, setting up, you know, SPR of about 66%. Um, so 0.6, you got 312, there's 454 left in the pots. Uh, the river's a four of spades, which is an effective brick, doesn't really do anything. Final boards, king nine, seven, five, four. On the river here, you opt to go for the check and villain goes all in. Probably not much to talk about here with top set uh, facing yeah. the all in on the river other than, you know, happy day. So you call and the villain ends up with ace of diamonds, jack of spades. So they didn't have one backdoor flush draw. They had two fake backdoor flush draws, <laughs> which is almost the equivalent of one actual backdoor flush draw. One, or he had a couple of real backdoor straight draws. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Not on the turn, though. Um, and I would say probably a little loose preflop, but, you know, it is what it is. Nice hand, though. I, I think it, it makes your check call in the turn exponentially better when they stack off with like all combos of like ace jack and ace queen. Um, so yeah, very well played. And as we talked about on the turn, like villain did have zero equity, right. And it's pretty much a tragedy to jam with top set and make a hand with zero equity fold. So anything else you'd like to add? No, I was just going to say, I think this is like a, I mean, obviously the, the hand villain, the way he played and the run out just, you know, kind of made this seem like <laughs> kind of like a dream situation. But it is really important, I think, when you are blocking like the top value on a board and, and the board is like super dry, like King 9-7, that, you know, you do give your opponents like as much room to bluff as possible because they're so unlikely to be able to be call like a value bet. And if they can like, you know, play for their stacks when you when you have like the board locked up like this, you often have them just coolered anyways. And, you know, checking would have just resulted in you stacking stacking them regardless so yeah i think it's important to just like start out like really really small on the flop keep their range very very wide and then stick to your plan on the turn in the river and and let them just bomb off with their their wide wide range would you do anything differently with a set of nines uh yes i think with a set of nines i would have been way more happy about just going for the value myself um hoping that they do have enough king x now that i don't you know have two kings in my hand um, so yeah, with a set of nines, I think I likely would have started with a, uh, maybe a slightly larger flop C bet, although I don't think that matters that much, but I would have been way more, uh, I would have thought way more seriously about just betting turn and river myself, um, and trying to get a hand like King Jack or King 10 that, that might not bet turn or river, um, after calling a flop C bet to the bluff catch. Yeah. I think it becomes a much more interesting question about what you do with middle set and, yeah. I mean, the argument could be made that if they're floating this wide and bombing off this wide, that checking mm-hmm. all your sets and basically yeah. just checking range on the turn is going to be the the highest performing line. Yeah. yeah. But all right. So another pocket Kings coming right at you directly following the break. You've survived preflop boot camp. You've shot the fish in a barrel. Now prepare yourself for the feeding frenzy. A comprehensive strategy for gutting every fish in your player pool. Data-driven hero bluffs, light call downs, and perfect value bets. 
that are maximally designed to hurt some feelings. Feeding Frenzy. Available now at ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Feeding Frenzy. All right. Welcome back to this very creatively themed episode of Tactical Tuesday. And looks like in the back half of the episode, you've got kings on the button, which is a good place to have kings. It is. I'll take them anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, any position, anytime, any place. Yeah, we, we've done multiple takes of this bit, and this is by far the worst one. But guess what? You, you, you listeners get to hear our uh, COVID-addled little bit about kings on the button and taking them anywhere. Um, so with that <laughs> glorious little segment out of the way, let's break down the action here. So we're playing 5-10, no limit. I'm on the button with red kings. Action folds around to me. Um, I open to $30, small blind who is a reg, three bets to 130, and I four bet to, I believe, 250. Is this a standard three bet sizing facing 3x button open? Looks a little like one click big. Yeah, it's a little bit big. I mean, I think one, any, like, I'm not surprised to see 120 or 130. Um, I think a lot of people that's one or one of those two sizes I, I would say anything other than 120 and 130 I, that would like start raising eyebrows for me like if i saw 110 i'd be like that's a little small if i saw 140 i'd be like that's really really big <laughs> i don't know why but uh, 120 and 130 are, are very acceptable in my mind so. all right so with 130 you go ahead and four bet any thoughts of flatting the button and your sizing here is a click which looks pretty good to me I think you could flat the button. I mean, we talk about this all the time on Tactical Tuesday, trapping aces and kings, um, yeah. uh, button versus blinds. Um, I think, I guess, like, personally, like, I'd be a little bit more comfortable trapping aces uh, than I would kings. Personally? Um, is there anybody in the audience that's like, no, no, I'm more comfortable flatting kings than aces? Who on I this feel like planet you, I feel is like more you wouldn't care. I feel like you're you, you're totally indifferent. I'm not saying someone cares. I'm not saying someone would rather trap kings. I'm saying that I'm sure that there's people out there like you that are just like I don't care. Aces and kings, it's like the same thing. I just trap. Well, it's not the same. I mean, I, even I would prefer to have aces over <laughs> kings. But you know, if I think something's going to be the highest performing line or action, then that's the one I'm going to take. Um, but no doubt, I would rather have aces. And the EV of flatting with aces is going to be higher than kings. Uh, I guess the Bigger question is like, can the EV of flatting outperform the EV of, of four betting um, the Kings, which I think is a much closer calculation than um, in, in most situations than aces. But here you go ahead and click it. And facing the click, I mean, does anybody ever fold facing the click? I mean, that's just what just what like in position four bet sizes are supposed to be. Yeah, 20, I mean, 25 bigs. Like I'm not saying that it's wrong or that there's anything wrong with it i'm just asking like the red it's really fold. hard to fold to the position format size but you just have to bring yourself to yeah make what feels like massive folds getting the price that you're getting because i don't know like part of i think the big part is that like you just have to realize the imposition player like has little incentive to bluff when they're in position and like a lot of incentive to call so if they're putting extra money in there it's it's extremely, extremely polarized. And like a lot of the hands that you probably feel like you want to call getting such a good price are just getting absolutely demolished by most of the 
good end of that polarization. Yeah, I, I just thought of this as you said that because I do the same thing. It's, it's like extremely polarized. Is it really an extreme, right? Isn't polarized just a good enough word in and of itself? Then like, oh, no, this is extremely polarized. Like, isn't it just all the same? I don't know. I mean, this is just like the imposition player can just so easily. It's like when the big blind three bets or something, right? It's like, dude, you had this like very obvious, easy choice to just call, see a flop, you know, in position. It's like a great spot to be in, play a big pot in position, whatever. All right. But instead, like you're deciding to put more money in, like you either really want me to fold or you just have like an incredibly good hand. It's like, what? (laughs) I tried tried taking this on a tangent about, you know, the language behind it, but. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what uh, you're... I'm just saying, does a thing need to be extremely polarized? Can it just be regular polarized? No, no, this is extreme. Extreme. <laughs> we get right. to a regular polar spot, I'll, 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 uh, yeah. I'll make sure to... We need like different words for, for these things. Uh, Antarctica, I don't know. Something <laughs> extremely polar, right? Versus like, eh, you're like in northern Canada, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> just use like latitude numbers to talk about where we are where we are in the- yeah there you go um so with all that said if you guys remember we have a hand that's going down here where we're extremely polarized with our click on the button we four bet to 25 big blinds so 250 dollars with kings 100 big blinds deep everything is pretty pretty normal right now there's 510 in the pot uh, we have 750 behind. Villain's got 740. So SPR is a little bit more than one. The flop is Jack Five Deuce Rainbow. So Jack of Spades, Five of Diamonds, Deuce of Clubs. And Small Blind starts out as Small Blinds tend to do in these spots with a check. And you start out by betting, looks to be like a fifth pot. So 20% or so, you bet $100. Any thoughts behind this sizing here? Uh, not too much thought. I mean, as anyone who's watched me play format pots on tactical Tuesday will know this is like tiny, tiny C bet. It's just going to be my go-to with value and air, um, uh, as the pre-flop four better. And so, I mean, there's, when you have value in the spot, like we do, so I'll just talk about that side for now. Um, it's just, there's very little concern about being able to get your stack in by the river, um, in a format pot. I basically have like just over uh one-to-one SPR on the flop as it is. So, you know, any size bet on the flop instantly basically just makes it a one SPR of one, which, you know, you can comfortably jam on the river or you can, you know, bet tiny on the turn again and jam the river or you can just jam the turn. So I think this size just opens up a lot of options and kind of keeps your range. Uh, is the easiest way to manage your range as the pre-flop four better. Yeah, I agree. So you bet a quarter, villain calls. And now we see a turn, turns an overcard, a queen. So the board is now queen, jack, five, deuce, full rainbow. Villain checks, and you go to go ahead and check behind. Yep. I think, like I said, on the flop, uh, I do check behind on the turn. Like I said, on the flop, I think I just have, I can go pretty much any which way I want now that the SPR is uh, slightly less than one. Um, I still have an overpair on queen, jack, five, deuce with my pocket kings. Um, I can jam the river. I can bluff catch river. Um, I think betting here is is obviously still an option. I can. I don't know about jamming here. Um, I think if I were to bet here, I'd probably just bet small and jam the river. Um, yeah, I decided to take the check back and bluff catch or jam river myself option. 
Yeah, I think jamming goes up in value if the turn's like the queen of spades, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or the queen right. of clubs or the queen of diamonds that gives you available flush draws to have in yep. range. Yep, I think that's I important, uh, the suit of this turn. So checking behind, very reasonable. The river pairs the board. It is a jack of diamonds. So now the final board is queen, jack, jack, five, deuce. Uh, no flush available. There's seven ten in the pot. Villain has six forty, and they bet approximately six hundred and forty dollars. So they wager the rest of their remaining chips in this four bet pot, and now you're at a decision point here on the river. Yeah, I was not super excited to see this. I just have trouble thinking of like pure bluffs. I guess for villain. Um, I think the value is pretty easy. Like they just have lots and lots of Jack X of like, maybe they have Jack 10 suited. They probably have Queen Jack suited. Um, almost certainly have King Jack and Ace Jack suited, uh, which I guess aren't, you know, at the end of the day, isn't that many combinations when two Jacks are already out there and they only have the suited ones and maybe not even Jack 10. Um, but yeah, yep. I, I thought that like for this call to be profitable, like they would have to also be like turning some pairs into bluffs, like maybe like tens, nines, um, some of the more obvious bluff candidates, I think, are like is a hand like ace ten of diamonds, ace ten of clubs, ace ten of spades. I think those suited ace X's probably do call a four bet, call a quarter pot on the flop, and then feel like they are, you know, are pretty natural bluffs on the river once they don't have anything. Are there any worse? other hands that you think I'm missing out on? Sorry. Can ace queen jam for value? So I so in game, this is what I thought that ace queen might not jam the river for value thinking that like, I just have a jack a lot when my hand plays like this, when I bet the, bet the flop check back on an overcard and then, you know, what was top pair on the flop trips on the river. Um, I think a reasonable way for uh, a hand like ace queen to think about that spot is that you're getting stacked by all the jack X anyways. Like maybe just put my bluff catchers in a, you know, in a spot when I do have pocket tens in the spot. Yeah. At least, like, try to get called by that sometimes. That being said, after the game, I did a little, after this hand happened, um, I did a little bit more thinking, and I actually don't have any Jack X in my four betting range. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. So you've basically got quads and queens full, which right? Would be your traps. Yeah. So I mean, I, Kings is now that I now that I think of that, like, I don't think that jamming Ace Queen here is unreasonable like i think that's maybe that's what you should be doing i, yeah. I don't know if no no it makes sense and yeah. it makes sense it's more of a matter of like how are you structuring your bluffs i think like if you're going for you know the stop and go then checking ace queen makes a lot of sense since mm -hmm. you know you're gonna have some like ace 10 offs i guess and ace king offs that yeah. those would be your major bluff candidates i think right. on the river um which are not super unreasonable to like jam facing a a river check mm -hmm. so i mean i think there is still some value in checking ace queen to get value from your bluffs i don't think that you have yeah you don't have trips in your range um i think it's it's a tricky situation <clears throat> I, I think it's good that you have the king of hearts uh so that you know you know villains king jack suited King Jack suited. There's only one combo of King Jack suited left. That's King Jack of clubs. Um, 
And also it gives them more available like King X with backdoors to peel with on the flop. So you're not like double blocking their right, suited, right. suited <clears throat> pins. We want them to have like the King of Spade, King of Spades and King of Clubs. Yeah, right, right, right. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, I, I just can't imagine folding like facing the jam. Uh, I just, it just seems, you know, while we don't have many Jack X in our range, I don't think villains got like a ton in theirs. They do have like all the ace tens, um, you know, all for available bluffs and maybe some like king tens as well. I, I guess king tens probably stretching it. Yeah. They can jam with ace queen and value on themselves. So basically we beat value on the river. Uh, just hard, hard to fold. Yeah. It's hard to fold whenever you beat value, I guess. Just yeah. period. Yeah. Yeah. In general. So oh, you made it seem like it was a much easier call than it felt in game. I, I felt like I spaz called the river. I was like, I don't know. I just, I have an overbear. I don't know. Overbear call. Yeah. Eh, it's not the worst spaz reasoning that I've ever heard. Um, what did villain have? I guess we'll see. Ah, they had ace queen. Yeah. So I actually didn't, <laughs> I didn't know the result of this hand. We talked about it beforehand. Um, I didn't know that what villain had on the river, but I guess ace queen does make some sense. Do you think that I should put a bet in on the turn, just continue betting turn, especially on this turn? Because like you said, my bluffs pre-flop are going to be hands like ace king and ace 10. And I just, I have to imagine that if I did have one of those hands, I would likely just bet the turn yeah. once I turn a gut shot. Then um, I think, I think betting the turn small is like very right. reasonable, like yeah, very, yeah. very reasonable bet turn small jam river. Yeah. I think like, it's probably easier to extract two small bets than one big bet yep. in the case of villain having, you know, some kind of bluff catcher. Yep. Um, yeah. So with that said, uh, again, like you said, uh, with the setup on the flop, like you can do whatever you want after betting yep. the flop at a quarter. But I mean, from like an efficiency standpoint and an EV standpoint, betting the turn and jamming the river might just outperform checking back the turn and, uh, right bluff catching river or jamming yourself i think if i could play this hand again i would just bet the turn like mostly because i would just think like oh I, i'm probably going to get a lot of credit for continuing to bluff this turn because i they might just think that i turn like some sort of gut shot at least with all my bluffs that are going to keep that are going to want to keep barreling so like i just get called you know maybe just tens just keeps calling down or you know all their jack none of their jack x folds um yeah. not that tens i think is any a of their jack real just, bad one like yeah they'd much rather have nines yeah, tins, I guess tins okay, is yeah, probably yeah. just like a jam pre small yeah. blind versus button four bet anyway. Yeah. So I think nines is probably the candidate that you're targeting. Right. Uh, before the jack pairs, though, you know, you could target their jack X, like ace jack, right, right. Uh, yep. jack 10, king yep. jack, those type of hands. Um, and it's possible that, like, even on the overcard turn, ace jack just kind of shrugs and calls down. Right. Yeah. To be results oriented, though, I'm glad that I did not bet the turn because I think that would just have resulted in me betting the turn, the small blind likely just calling, and then I think the river goes check check quite frequently. <laughs> wow! So, what a what a baby! Oh my not god! Gonna, not gonna oh. value. Dude, I almost folded kings on the river. You think I'm gonna value bet them once the jack pairs? I can't even bring myself to call confidently. <laughs> but they can have ace queen, John. Uh, that's that's it, the whole that's point. It. That's it. That's a lot. It's a lot of combos. Ace one ace queen off equals lots of jack 12 ten combos. suited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jack, okay. jack ten suited two combos, right? 
like King Jack is one and Ace Jack is two. So there's still still plenty to go around. All right, all right. And then also have to be sure that they're gonna just stack off with Ace Queen like every time. Why? <laughs> Come on, what world are we living in here? <laughs> if somebody folds Ace Queen here, then they they deserve they deserve I don't know what they deserve, but <laughs> <laughs> some props on tactical tuesday i don't know what they value like i don't know who they are as a person um really not money <laughs> uh, all right well good episode of tactical tuesday this week it's good getting back in the groove of things um the groove of other things was not a very good groove to be in so yeah one more week and we'll sound like normal functional human beings once again uh that's all i have for today's episode see you next week thanks for listening to chasing poker greatness you can subscribe on apple podcasts or on your favorite podcast app go to chasingpokergreatness.com to get the newsletter join the greatness village community book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.